The new presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. Are you looking for a way to engage and connect with your students? Then this is the perfect time to try Classcraft, and we have a limited time offer to help you get started. Simply go to classcraft.com slash oneducation, and you will receive the first month free on a monthly premium subscription. To get started, go to classcraft.com slash oneducation. Hopefully there'll be some fighting. We're kind of <laughs> we're kind of counting on it. Welcome to On Education. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pot for you today. We will discuss what is at the root of the Ontario student walkouts and teacher protests. We will debate if there is a better way for companies to spend money than giving away swag. And our amazing guest this week is Dr. Chris Haskell from Boise State University. So how about how about chat on education? It's going really well. And there's so many people joining in, even people that are new to us, you know, and to the conversation. So it's fantastic. I think that's the that's the best part about it is all of these people joining in and then maybe they'll listen to the podcast and then have, you know, be able to have great discussions about all kinds of great things. I mean, that's what we're trying to put out questions that are compelling to people and they want to go ahead and, and, and give their take. So it's not like we're trying to outsmart each other. Just give us your take and what you believe. I think it was cool that someone had said that they had never thought of what we had asked before. And that's like... I mean, we've seen tons of Twitter chats. We've been a part of tons of Twitter chats. Uh, I, you know, we've we've been involved in them and and whatnot. And I think that while our format is generally the same, other than it being a slow chat, um, which if you don't know what a slow chat is, so a, a slow chat is um, where the questions aren't like one after another over like an hour uh, of time. The slow chat is questions spread out over a day we think that there's a huge advantage to this in the sense that you know people are busy right everyone has got everyone's got stuff going on and stuff to do i mean i was in a meeting this week during the 12 o'clock question so i mean we we scheduled the tweets uh it's all planned out on on tweet deck a couple days before and uh we just it, it goes out automatically so it doesn't rely on us being there and it doesn't rely on you being there and we've had people answering the questions like the day after or a couple of days after i i actually keep the hashtag open now on my tweet deck because there are actually comments coming through almost daily still on the chat on education hashtag yeah so I mean, that's pretty cool too. Yeah, and feel free to always come in at any time, even though it comes out on Thursdays at 9, noon, and 3. Um, you can just jump in. That's what Slow Chat is awesome. It's great is that some of the threads will go on and on because they're just great discussions to be had on a variety of topics. And these, this week's topics were interesting because Noah had brought up kind of uh, some great things on our show last week. And so great debates on whether you dig it or you want to ditch something. I thought it was a great, uh, fantastic tweet storm there. Yeah, it started slow a little bit in the morning, but I'll tell you, by the afternoon, it was it was bonkers. I was having a hard time keeping up uh, by 3 o'clock. So, so chat on education is on Thursdays. You don't have to listen to the podcast necessarily. Some you may want to listen to more than others to get um context i think that this week's was maybe one of those scenarios where this would probably be one of the stronger examples of wanting to probably listen to the podcast in advance of thursday but you don't have to but listen there's a way to solve all this guys all you have to do (laughs) all you have to do is subscribe to the damn podcast yep when when you subscribe to the podcast you'll get it as soon as it comes out on wednesday morning or tuesday Mm -hmm. or Sometimes Monday night, whatever whatever time we release it, it's usually Monday night or Tuesday. <laughs> but you'll get it right away. It'll download to your phone. You can listen to it while you're driving. And then you're ready to rock and roll for Thursday. So just subscribe. <laughs> Smash that like button, friends. <laughs> Smash the like and retweet. <laughs> right. And we'll be good to go. Um, we're 
going a lot of places this year. Yes. Uh, conference schedule is filling up. And so we're going to be all over the place. I mean, everywhere from we- Texas to Florida yeah. to Philadelphia to Canada. We're covering everywhere. all the corners of the world. Right. <laughs> or at least right. North America. <laughs> so we've just added we've just added going to um, USM Spark, uh, which is, I think, in Milwaukee. Yes, it is. Yep. And uh, we're really excited to be there. Uh, so we're going to be there. We're going to have a table there, which is awesome. We're going to have our brand new studio Woo! set up there. We're going to it's going to be bonkers. So if you're going to USM Spark, prepare to have your minds blown by on education because <laughs> we're going to have a background. We're going to have tablecloths. We have a soundboard and microphones. We've literally we're about to drop like four grand on this new setup so well we want you to come to us too because we want to be able to have conversations with you and even if a five minute little interview where you get to tell us the awesomeness that you're doing or are planning on doing in your classes come share it with us 100 percent. the best thing about going to conferences is we get to talk to to a lot of different people and even if the conversations are a little bit shorter um we get to talk to a lot more and and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be great so I have a master list. I think it's worth mentioning just just because it is pretty crazy. So we're going to uh, and some of the stuff is me alone. Some of the stuff is Glenn by himself. And then some of the stuff is us together, um, mainly just because of travel and, and work limitations and stuff like that. We're not all in the same place all the time. But here it is. So this month, actually, April, end of April, beginning of May is Connect 2019 in Niagara Falls, Ontario. And I'm speaking there. Um, and we're going to have, uh, I think we've already arranged a whole bunch of people. Jennifer Cassatod is going to join us uh, at Connect. Um, and I believe Laura Fleming is going to join us at Connect and a, a couple other people as well. Uh, LearnFest ATX is in Austin. In early June, June 11th, I think it is. And we'll probably talk to the one and the only Game Boy Drew. Oh, yeah. Rising rising <laughs> star, shiner of shoes, Game Boy <laughs> Drew. And, and I think we'll probably talk to Carl and a bunch of other folks. There's tons of folks there. That one's a loaded conference. So LearnFest ATX in Austin. You'll have USM's- to catch, hey, Mike, you'll have to catch Andy Lizer. He's one of, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's right along with you. He is one of my best friends here in Minnesota. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, super awesome, intelligent talks a lot on topics that have to do with uh, elementary innovation so you'll want to have to you'll have to connect with him for sure because he hasn't been on the podcast but it would be great to to have him even for a quick segment we uh we talked at at FETC but yeah we didn't have him on the pod which was unfortunate so that'll be sweet yeah that that's one that'll happen for sure uh then like we said USM Spark is actually the week after LearnFest Fest Glenn and I'll be there together uh, Badge Summit and ISTE, uh, we will be at together. Uh, I I can come to Badge Summit now. There was actually a question whether I could or not, but I will be at Badge Summit, which will be sweet. I think maybe we'll talk to Noah about setting up the table there too. For that sure. would be Let's do it. Awesome. Um, and then we have some conferences we are going to be solo at. I'm going to Sirius Play Montreal uh, in july and i'm taking the family but i'm going to be hanging out with paul davarzi and we'll uh we'll have paul probably talk to us a little bit glenn's going to school of gnac yes i am so, so that'll be sweet <laughs> well, uh and then serious play orlando which you're talking at yes serious play orlando i'm doing a minecraft session school of next i'm doing a session at um yeah so that's i man this is going to be amazing well, ISTE, then, ISTE, we're speaking at it too. So, I mean, I don't right. know if people, I mean, we've put it on Twitter and stuff, but if you don't, you know, go on Twitter and do that kind of stuff or haven't seen it, we actually have a session at ISTE in an amazing room. Right, Mike? Yeah. Yes. I mean, not to get the hype train rolling too much, but I'm going to get the hype train rolling a little bit because holy crap, this thing is going to be huge. So we're speaking, we're we're doing a featured panel at ISTE. We're in a theater which is bonkers. It, it seats about six or 700, I think maybe 800. And 
there's it's going to be videotaped it's going to be on on their vimeo channel um and and they're they're giving us the audio so that we can put it on the podcast after i had i actually have had to have meetings with isti about the logistics of this so it's a big deal so this is with glenn and myself and uh, mike matera and, and don wetrick don, and oh don wetrick what a combo so hopefully there'll be some fighting <laughs> We're kind of, <laughs> we're kind of counting on it. We're gonna, we're gonna. I know gonna, I'll be laughing. That's we're that's gonna a bring given. the controversy. Oh yeah, it's it, gonna be funny. Anytime that Wetrick is speaking, I'm just cracking up because that that guy's just, oh man, he's hilarious. So that's yeah. that, and then FETC uh, in in the winter in January uh, with Glenn and I, and hopefully we have the same setup as we had last year, uh, which was pretty sweet. So that's, I mean. What a that's a lot of what a lot conference. of stuff. So four conferences last year, nine this year. We're doing pretty much exactly what we said we wanted to do. Uh and it's all it's all kind of happening. So it's been a big week up here. Yeah. I it's been a bad, bad week, week up here. Yes. <laughs> a a really bad week, bad. but people are are standing up. You know? Oh yeah. Yes. And the voices are being heard. So tell us tell us about what's happening in Ontario. So we're gonna have um, Merritt Styles on the podcast next week, um, but because we need we need someone to respond to this, so I don't want to get into the intricacies of what's going on. All that I can say is that um, there are a lot of issues surrounding the new the the Doug Ford government. It's a it's a it's a heavily conservative government, probably the the most right wing government we've had in quite some time. Very Trumpian, even in a lot of ways, which is ridiculous. It's, it's hard to understand how it actually happened. Um, but we're talking about cuts to, um, to full day kindergarten. We're talking about class sizes being dramatically increased yes. in particular in high school, uh, the, the cell phone ban and funding for things like uh, support for autism um, in, in schools, all being slashed dramatically like it's all it's really quite awful like it's hard to it's hard to even believe that we got how we got this this far um but there's been a lot like glenn just said the people are kind of fighting back here which is amazing and i think that the public is finally on our side as well so on april 4th uh there was a walkout by students so students just decided uh, it was mostly high school students said, you know, we want to have our voices heard because this affects us. So they walked out and um, had huge protests all over can or all over Ontario. Um, kids were walking out of schools, elementary schools got engaged in it as well. And uh, it was pretty powerful. Um, it got to a point where actually Doug Ford had the, the nerve to suggest that the unions were the ones that were forcing or putting kids up to that's, walking them out. That's the typical is, move, man. That's the right. typical move. Yep. Right. So, so that was April 4th and it was a pretty big deal. Uh, it was all over the news, which was, it was awesome. Um, and for the record, I mean, we're talking about tens of thousands of students walked out on April 4th. I can guarantee you that, I mean, well, there are, I'll admit there are teachers that have expressed their thoughts on what's happening, but no one's forcing kids to leave the classroom. I mean, it's the most ridiculous assumption and it's offensive. It's I mean, they don't care. Obviously, they're 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 trying to turn the tide in terms of, you know, the the public opinion by by blaming teachers and, and unions um, because that's what they do. But there's no way that this was put up to kids like like you gotta you gotta do something there's a great quote here mike uh, a, a tweet that was sent out by students and she says uh we aren't doing this to skip class we aren't doing this because teachers told us to do so we're doing this because we're angry we will not sit back and watch our education be ruined by adults who see us as nothing that's a great quote hashtag right. students say no yes well, it i i'm a i'm a i'm a big proponent of of youth i don't know how to say youth suffrage I, I believe the kids should be able to vote at 16 for example i've been 
kind of banging that drum a little bit for a while. So, I mean, there's, I mean, they're, they're having their lives impacted and they have absolutely no say and they have no vote. So they have nothing to fight back with. I think that, and as far as like, they're, they're doing what we've told them to do. We've taught them how to be assertive and represent themselves and like stand up for what you believe in. These are the things that you're doing when you walk out in, in protest, it's, it's civics and it's important. So I mean, good on them for for doing it. That's for sure. Yes, absolutely. Of course, your Doug Ford did say it's absolutely shameful they're using our students for a bunch of bonds. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I, I I've seen this whole. This is, is the exact same playbook, man. That's happens yeah, yeah. in the United States. It's the exact same playbook. So so yesterday there was a giant protest um, in Toronto. Uh, at the what we call Queen's Park, it's basically the 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 buildings, the Parliament, uh, the Ontario Capitol buildings, and I, I think the number was thirty thousand people. So huge protest. Yeah, ginormous, um, crazy. Yeah. So so I mean, we're we're definitely huge rally, getting the word out. Everyone's everyone's talking about this. I it's funny. I was at a a little a little conference a little local conference yesterday morning and it, it came up and it's funny a lot of people were were disappointed that the conference ended up being on the same day as this this big rally but i can tell you that they're still talking about it even there and uh, uh it, it changed some of the narrative it, it turned into an idea that you know there's solidarity there that the um we need to support each other and and you know row in the same direction and that we can't let folks like Doug Ford, you know, blame teachers when kids walk out or, you know, blame teachers for standing up for themselves and for what they believe in. Um, you know, Doug Ford didn't even graduate high school. Really? And no, that's strange. And, uh, to, to run, uh, to, to be qual, he, he's, he's not even qualified to manage a retail store, let alone to run, uh, the government of Ontario. So it's crazy. I mean, crazy. I don't know what to. I don't know what to say. So the the reason they're protesting is there's a proposed elimination, right, of like more than three thousand teaching jobs, which would be. I mean, that's that's a significant number. Yeah. Well. So what's going to happen with that is that they're not. Yeah. So they framed it as they're not rehiring people who retire. Okay. So they're not filling spaces of people who retire. Um. You know, but they're but the boards are still cutting like other jobs as well. We're gonna get some more details on this later in the week when we when we talk to Merritt. But um, yeah, there it's bad, man. Like I didn't think it would ever get like this. I, I we kind of called it. I mean, we had Peck on and 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 talked to them before the election, and we knew that Doug Ford was bad. I'm not sure we knew that he was this bad. So. Everyone likes swag, I guess, and they certainly give away a lot of it at conferences. So when we come back, we're going to talk about maybe a better way to spend that money than getting another pen. Do you have plans to attend the ISTE conference this summer? Come one day early and participate in the best hidden gem conference in the United States. Badge Summit 2019 will take place on the Temple University campus in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on June 22nd. There will be lots of wicked smart educators to collaborate with on topics such as digital badges, credentials, gamification, and more. To learn more about Badge Summit, simply visit bit.ly slash badge summit. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Really cool article came across our feed on EdSurge this week uh, about a company called Okta. Decided to go a bit of a different direction in terms of swag at their, they have their own annual kind of conference, their own annual get together. And we've been to these. Schoology is actually probably the best example of this uh, as a comparison, Schoology Next. And so what they did was they, um, they gave away, you know, when you attend their conference, you get a backpack and you get a bunch of stuff in it. You get a water bottle, you get pens, um, you get, you know, a bunch of a T-shirt or whatever. The value of these bags, like just the Schoology bag that I that I know of, you know, probably about 100 to $150 worth of stuff in this bag. 
uh, in these bags. And this this other this one for the example on Ed Surge is easily like a hundred dollars, not including the bag. And instead of giving away a bag full of stuff that people probably already had a bunch of to begin with, they decided to do things a little bit differently and donate a bunch of money to a nonprofit. Pretty cool that they that they did this. I, I think that this is a really important thing for us to talk about. How many branded pens do you guys have out there? I know. That's, <laughs> right? I mean, I just could pull open the drawer over here uh, by side, beside my desk and probably show you 15 different pens from a bunch of different companies. You know, Nearpod, Schoology, Amazon, Microsoft, everyone, you know, has these pens pens for example styluses were the thing oh yeah at they one were huge. Point. everyone was that? everyone was giving away <laughs> styluses i mean shirts are shirts aren't always a thing but i mean i have a nearpod shirt i have a i have a shirt from a company called piper i have obviously i have wonder workshop shirts uh there are shirts you know and the backpacks are the thing that my wife loves and i hate because we have tons of backpacks and bags from these conferences that I've been going to over the last two years in particular, got a bag at every damn conference, Glenn. Yes. And if you don't get like, this is the commentary that I've heard too from people. That's interesting comparison here, but if you don't get good stuff in, in your swag bag, then people are already enraged right away. Day one, if they look in the swag bag, it doesn't have a water <laughs> bottle, a t-shirt and a wide variety of very useful things, very not useful things, very, cool looking things that you will never use again then you are already enraged you're mad about the conference itself so yeah no i i actually love this idea as far as being able to go ahead and use those funds that money and then do a big deal about it maybe in their opening not only the keynote but a video where they actually show what they did with the money sure and then do it as hey here's where your money's actually went to normally we would give you guys a bunch of uh, stuff that you already have or things that you're going to just throw away. Uh, instead, here's what we're going to do. High impact in our lo in the local community, whichever one it was. Man, that would be amazing. In this case, they're talking about you know giving things away like uh, winter jackets or give yeah. the backpacks away to people who need backpacks You know, instead of them to conference goers and so on and so forth. I mean, the money is significant though. The investment uh -huh. in advertisement, thousands, thousands, uh, advertisement swag is huge by these companies. And so I don't know if people are willing by people. I mean, both the participants and the, the companies themselves are willing to go ahead and pull back on that because that's kind of like you just said, you open up a drawer and you have a Nearpod thing in your mind. It's like, Oh, Nearpod, yeah, I forgot about Nearpod. You know, it's like reminding you of that specific product, you sure. know, and that happens a lot. I mean, as far as, and it, the participants love these kinds of things, I think for the most part. Some people, they do. Some people are like, I don't really need all this junk. Uh, but I know, for example, friend of the podcast, Stephen Rayow, he went to some conference in New Jersey and he showed us, uh, he put all the items on the table that he collected on his kitchen table. And I swear there was a thousand things on there. From him, right. from him, just going around to these different, uh, you know, booths, and then collecting the items at each booth, he should have took yeah. a picture of that, and posted that on Twitter. I don't. I mean, there was, except for the pens, you know, maybe on there. I don't know what else was useful on there, except they were branded items of a variety of of sorts. The people do love this stuff because you know how you know you know it because people tweet out when they get like when they're part of an advocacy community. And, you know, you're you're a Flipgrid ambassador and your Flipgrid shirt just came in the mail and you're like, holy crap, look at my Flipgrid shirt. I'm going to put it on Twitter. I'm going to hold it up and I'm going to smile and I'm going to be like, <laughs> I'm so proud to be a Flipgrid ambassador. Yep. Look at this sweet shirt I just got. And we know that people love this stuff. And there's there's some nuance to this. There's partly part of this is being proud to be an advocate or a, a, a recognized member of a certain community and appreciating that the, the company is willing to spend money. You know, I, I get that stuff, but like, think about like from a company perspective, I'm thinking about this from like a business side. 
because you mentioned, for example, like the reminder, the the idea of the Nearpod pen is that you pick up the pen to write something, uh, a note, and you're reminded of Nearpod every time you you look at the pen and you think, oh, I should I should try to give that a shot, do something with Nearpod sometime soon. Think about the hay that you could make. Like, and I'm saying, like, companies should use this as an advantage. I'm not saying not to. I'm, I'm make all the hay you can, man. Uh, you know, make that video about you donating the ten thousand dollars or whatever to to some place. Make a video. Tell everyone what you're doing because um, it's it is an opportunity. Not only are you doing something good, but I mean, use it for marketing. That doesn't bother me. But like. To put an insert into the ISTE conference bag, I mean, we it's know this because we, we asked. <laughs> it's not cheap nope. just to put a damn sticker in the bag. Not only did we have to buy the stickers, and we're talking 20,000 stickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars just for the stickers themselves. You have to pay. And then pay to play, baby. Paying, <laughs> paying for the privilege to put the sticker in the bag was easily like five or six grand. Ooh. That's I mean, expensive. it's an eleven thousand dollar sticker. Yes, it is. <laughs> it better be a good sticker, man. Right, and our <laughs> stickers are awesome. Yeah. And to be honest, I love stickers. I, I, I have them on my on my podcast laptop. Are they're covered in stickers of all of our friends? And I don't have a problem necessarily with the stickers. I love the, the stickers, stickers too. Yeah, stickers aren't aren't expensive. I mean, yeah. we. We have the the one that we have now. I mean, but you buy a thousand stickers for like a hundred bucks. It's it's not we're not breaking the bank for 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 that amount of stickers. But when you get into like buying twenty thousand, now you're getting into like 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 I said, over a thousand dollars. Or those really fancy coffee mugs, uh, yeah, water bottles that can be super yeah. expensive. And like you just said. Yeah. Uh, you know, at Schoology Next, we actually got a luggage bag this year. Yeah, I mean yeah. that wasn't cheap you know that's a i can that's imagine a not bag, being cheap at all i would say yeah yeah uh, i actually didn't get one but that's a side note <laughs> so it, <laughs> so you didn't get one that's hilarious uh, but so there is an investment there could they turn that into some you know they give some things away but then they show like hey because you attended this conference you actually helped to, for us to provide this this amazing thing that we now did for our local community and we provided whatever it was, you know, in this case, they talked about backpacks or they went to local schools that needed supplies and they just gave all of that supplies away. So it would be pencils, pens, paper, et cetera, notebooks, backpacks, everything else that you would say, you, here's all the stuff. You guys can just have it. Thank you. You know, and that's awesome. hundred percent. I think the moral of this story isn't, isn't that people should just go cold Turkey on this and stop, doing promotional items just have a more nuanced approach is i think the the moral of the story here it's not necessarily to to stop doing everything it's just let's think about it a little bit more right absolutely do a combination of the two things you know you could still do some stuff but then maybe do an actual you know investment into these other things as far as especially the local communities that you may go visit you know in philadelphia for example isti be awesome if they hit up the local food shelters or the yeah. uh, the schools that were that they knew might need some things and start reaching out and say hey what do you need and then let's let's connect and, and then while we when we are there we're going to give you guys all of this stuff 100% so when we come back we are going to be joined by Dr. Chris Haskell from Boise State University stay tuned So welcome back, everyone. We're thrilled to be joined on the podcast today by Dr. Chris Haskell. Chris is a professor at Boise State University focused on educational technology. Recently, Dr. Haskell has been building up one of the best collegiate esports programs in the country. Welcome to On Education. It's good to be here in this sweet little digital room that we share. (laughs) <laughs> I know this is a, a interesting space where we can actually see each other and yes. and be able to record at the same time. Um, so, Dr. Haskell, for people that don't know you or are familiar with you, can you give our audience a quick introduction of 
<laughs> of who you are, where you work, what do you do? You bet. Um, let me see if I can make this tweet length. Somebody count the characters. Uh, <laughs> I'm a clinical associate professor in the College of Education at Boise State, specifically the Educational Technology Department. By the way, there were a bunch of abbreviations in there, so this should still be tweet length. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm in my 11th year uh, as, a, as a professor at the university. Before that, I taught eight years of high school. So I'm 109 years old. <laughs> Hashtag straight truth. Straight truth. Um, so my connection with you, I I think I should go ahead and talk about that first. Is <laughs> full I disclosure? A, yes, yes. Yeah, I, for the I, Urban I Report. Okay, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I actually don't. Where I'm at right now, um, as far as in my career and what I'm doing and wh what I'm working with teachers and, and being able to go ahead and do things, I definitely attribute it, and I've told you this several times, to taking a course with you, uh, teaching and learning in virtual worlds, where I just got so inspired by looking at uh, things that were, were, I thought were in the future were already happening now in, in today's uh, world. And we were able to go ahead and experiment with things. And then I was like, I can push myself beyond where I'm actually at and then do something uh, really progressive, really something crazy. And that's when I decided to go ahead and, and pitch the idea to buy Minecraft for uh, my school. Yes. And, and then that started this journey. Uh, that I'm on right now and I'm continuing to be on actually with this, even with this podcast and meeting Mike and, and doing all of these things. Um, so thank you, first of all. Well, <laughs> and, you bet. <laughs> and and I, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there with that exact same thing that want to thank you for for kind of <laughs> pushing us and inspiring us to go ahead and 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 really take the risks uh, that are there and that, and then being able to reap those rewards with our students yeah. and, and, and all of the th great things. Um, so I guess the first thing I wanted to go ahead and talk about, uh, Dr. Haskell, is Mike and I discuss esports on the show quite often. Um, and it seemed to get nationwide headlines when Ninja was on the yes. cover of ESPN, the magazine. Mm -hmm. So give us a rundown on the state of esports and its explosive growth that has happened both at Boise State University and throughout this country. You bet, but but I will do it on one condition, and that is that we touch back on on this discovery that you made a couple of years ago that I think brings you to the place that you are now and the discoveries you've made. Is that fair? That's fair. <laughs> okay, a little quid, quid, quid pro quo here, Clarice. Okay. All right, so... Uh, Esports is competitive gaming, right? It is it is organized competitive video game against different teams or institutions. If you think about it that way, it's it's not you and I just jumping on and and playing some some Overwatch together late at night or you abusing me at Hearthstone. <laughs> uh, we don't even want to talk about that. That is one of the taboo subjects. Um, it's not necessarily that. That's just gaming. Mm -hmm. um, Esports is the organized uh, intercollegiate, interscholastic uh, league uh, related uh, gameplay and and this is really important, the, the media and storytelling around it. I, I truly believe that there are, there are two sides of, of eSports to make it an eSport. One is the competitive element that everybody sees. The second one is the storytelling around what we do. Football wouldn't be a sport. Baseball wouldn't be a sport. It's kind of barely a sport. But it wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be a sport if there were not fans and, and storytellers around it. The storytellers are n necessary to help the fans understand why we're watching and why it's important. Uh, they, they can't uh, exist without each other. It's a coexistence. Um, and so the state of, of esports, college esports, collegiate esports, uh, and, and scholastic esports, is that we are in the gold rush era of schools competing in esports with one another, regardless of the level. Um, yes. We see amazing things even happening at the middle school level. Um, I saw Steve Isaacs um, do a do a uh, a stream, a, a Periscope stream the other day of an event happening in his classroom. And the game I had never heard of, which I have told a bunch of people about since, was I think um, m Moen and Throwin, uh, which. Huh. 
No, never which heard is of it. this simple little game where it's head to head and you're you're pushing okay. a lawnmower around and, and fuel is dropping <laughs> and you pick it up so you can keep running and you pick up other things that you can throw at the person mowing the lawn on the other side of the field from you. Uh, right? Okay. <laughs> this sounds it, amazing. It is amazing. And it's it's kids <laughs> yes. middle school kids playing a game against each other, developing a strategy, uh, trying to execute that strategy to success, learning about their own strategic development. And then, as as he was doing, he was the storyteller. He's the one who said, this is interesting. The outcome is still in question. What's going to happen? The same thing we would we would see, honestly, in a, in a high school football game, anybody who's kind of telling that story. So the, the state of it is we're in, the, in a massive... Uh, growth of of this industry uh and it is coming fast and it is not going to uh derail it is only going to continue the games may change it may not be Fortnite in five years probably won't be yeah but it will be something else it might be vr more in five years we'll see um but uh, but these things are coming. When when we started, when I got interested, just the short origin story, I was honestly just preparing to do a keynote, and I was thinking, oh, I think it would be fun to do it on gaming clubs at schools and, and at colleges and things like that. And I started researching it and realized um, that uh, that this massive asteroid, as I say, was about to hit the Earth. And like the scientist in every disaster movie, uh, I, I had to report <laughs> it, and I found myself next on a rocket with Bruce Willis. I was in charge of the whole thing, right? So <laughs> you had to lay the charges. Exactly, I had to lay the charges. Uh, but but it really was kind of a. I was just kind of looking for something to talk about, and then discovered that we had a once in a generation opportunity, at least at my university at Boise State, to actually gain competitive, an unfair competitive advantage against other universities, just because we knew what was coming. That's a really good story, too, that you tell, Dr. Haskell, as you were researching this and you then correlated it to the origins of football dynasties and, and, and any other kind of sport dynasty where they basically had a heads, uh, heads up and, and, and an advantage because they were the originators yes. of it. So go ahead well, and, and, and continue. And that. a yeah. lot of people are, may or may not be aware of this, but when um, when collegiate football began in 1869 um, there were only three schools now students had been playing it for years but it finally got the approval yes. of Princeton Yale and Rutgers they played each other in that first year they were the first three uh, teams um, and what ended up happening was lots of other people were like well this is interesting and you if you look on the there's a wiki that shows how these develop and I was just looking this up to try to uh, figure out what what did that growth curve look like and would it would it be similar in esports and it won't surprise you that in the 15th year uh, a big school like Notre Dame came in they were the 18th school to participate yes. but it would take them Notre Dame maybe one of the greatest football powers anywhere historically, yes. it would take them 36 more years to win their first national championship. And in that time, Princeton won 17 and Yale won 15. Wow. <laughs> wow. So being a first, it makes a big difference. Uh, there are currently yes. 880, or at least there were at the beginning of this year, 880 collegiate programs, around 14,049 high school programs, and um, 100,000 youth peewee middle school, uh, you know, teams, right? Uh, yes. And we're starting to see that mirror. We were the 17th school to join and to create a varsity esports program. Um, there are nearly 200 today, and we've only been active wow. 18 months. We've only been a program that for eighteen crazy. months. That is crazy. So getting to, I I think that though there will be a, a singularity moment where we where we cross over where there are more collegiate esports programs than there are college football programs, um, for the very nature that it can be more inclusive via gender and uh, ability. It fits more comfortably into STEM careers than, say, football. And I'm a huge football fan. I don't want it to ever go away, but, but I can understand why a university or a high school would choose it also because th there's very little travel involved. Um, most of what you can do is is uh, 
right at your school. And, and I think this is one of the most interesting things that no one's talked about a ton of, but we actually can have a positive influence on screen time. People are worried about screen time. Well, yes, our, our college athletes are limited to 20 hours a week, and we track that. You know, they're, yes. they're already in the tools that allow us to track their participation. Um, so those type, that, those kind of data points are, are points we can have conversations about. Um, you know, we've, we've got, uh, we've got 20 hours to work with them. Um, I can take four hours of that a week and, and have it being a walking strategic talk along the green belt, you know, or say, all right, we're going to, we're going to talk strategy here. Let's go. We're going to, and we're going to get two miles in. Yeah, I I think a lot of people don't understand what you just finished explaining too. That it's much more than just kind of having a gamer kids kind of get together and then they just play games. That it's the same type of deal that you would have as far as in uh, football or any other type of sport where you you need a coach oh, to guide you along and. And then basically uh, form a sense of community, strategies, and all of those things that us, you know, I was a former coach also, that we do to be able to go ahead and get our team to do the best that they could possibly do, uh, you know, within whatever their skill levels are. So it's the same, you know, same types of skills. So it's super interesting to me uh, to think that, like you just finished saying, that it could overtake in the future. And that's actually one of my questions was, was, to pull out your crystal ball and tell us what you think esports will be like in 10 years. And you're saying you think it'll be more popular probably it, than, it will. It than, will. than football. Well, I mean, yes. when you and I were kids and we're probably one of the last generations that worked this way, they, they pushed us outside. They like, go out, go out on the, uh, Go on the field and poke each other with a sharp stick. We don't care. Just get out of the house. And now <laughs> Just get out of we're here. more concerned. Oh, well, we, we don't want you to poke each, other, poke each other with a sharp stick. So maybe you guys ought to stay inside. <laughs> we've been pulling our kids in. So we've done this to ourselves, mm -hmm. helicopter parents. You know who I'm talking to, um, <laughs> that, uh, that we, we want our kids safe. And, and part of the cost of that is that they don't play as many physical sports, but they still have the same competitive interest. And uh, – and, and, and they do that. They 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 play these games. Yes. So the games will change, but but I I truly believe, and and evidence has uh, proven it so far that uh, that this is going to continue, and it's it's going to be massive. And we're we're so, we're at the early yeah. stage right now. A lot of people would refer to that as the gold rush. Um, you know, where just being early, just being in the space before anybody else gives you some competitive advantage. But the next phase of it will be the arms race, the infrastructure uh, race, which is really interesting and compelling. So many of our listeners will want to know, uh, Dr. Haskell, the process of how to take a, like an esports from a club because a lot of a lot of I think uh, principals and administrators at different levels are more than willing to listen to the idea of esports as just this club, this thing that happens, you know, kind of on the side. Mm -hmm. But how to make it a full fledged, recognized, and sanctioned sport at you know at in your case at a university level, or in my case at mm -hmm. a high school level? Like, what do we? What's the process there and how, you know, what have you learned? Okay, so here, and this, this refers back to the question that you promised me we're going to talk about at the, at least at the end here, which okay. is the, the grand discovery is that, uh, and you discovered this when you said, you know what, I'm just going to launch into this and, and create some stuff in Minecraft. Not because it yes. was proven at your institution, not because anyone had done it the way you had done it, but you believed you could do it. Um, and yes. you thought, you know, I've actually, I've got a really good work life balance right now. Maybe I should, maybe I should disrupt that. Um, that was, that's the other consideration, right? Because you don't, you don't, uh, you're not creative in education if you're just focused on minimum job requirements, right? Yes. You are, I mean, and your listeners are creative educators. They're doing things that they've not seen other people do. Um, or they've seen somebody do something similar, but they put their own spin on it. And that, that, is the, that is the entrepreneurial character that you have to have in education, in ed tech, in gaming and ed, uh, in all of this. You have to have that, I believe, and therefore I'm going to create. Um, it's not going to yes. be perfect. I'm going to screw some stuff up. But in the process, um, I'm going to get amazing 
results out of it, even if it's not the amazing results I expect going in. Um, it is that, as you know, it is that kind of uh, that approach of uh, I, it will be much easier to show people what I've accomplished than it will be to get permission and approval to do what I want to do. They won't understand it. Um, there, you know, people didn't understand Jobs or Einstein or Steve Isaacs. The, you know, you make sure I get credit for that, right? <laughs> nice, um, nice. Right. He's been mentioned now in the yes, podcast every, every, every single, single time. Podcast, well, he's, right? he's, he's, or I mean, or really, like a Peg Sheehy, a Lucas Gillespie. I mean, these these yes. are uh, these are people that uh, that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. And there's a huge list, but. They they dove in and said, I believe this, and I'm going to make it work, and it's not going to be perfect, but um, let me show you what I mean. Let me show you what I mean. But uh, so to answer your question, and I, I artfully dodged it, so I hope I have your vote in 2020. <laughs> um, the, the issue um, that you have to wrap your mind around real quick is that you don't necessarily have to join a league. You don't necessarily have to create a facility. You don't have to have permanent space. You don't have to have all of these things that you see other people have. Maybe you can get those things. But all you need to do to create an esports club on a campus is interested students and someone to play. Sometimes they play each other, but the the minute you uh, you reach across town to uh, to another school or reach across the country to another school um, and say, hey, how about we set up three games this semester and we're, we'll play this, this, and this, and we'll do it on these three events, then you, you, have, a, you have a viable esports club. Um, there, there are no rules about how you can participate or with whom you can participate. Um, the truth is, it should just be what you can do. So at our university, there are organizations. And for high school and middle school, there are organizations that will do your matchmaking for you. But we discovered very quickly that if we waited for those folks to release the the, the dates and we tried to get in and then you know they picked the time for the games and things like that, it, it just gets really sticky. Now, we, we play TESPA, which is the... Um, uh, Esports Association um, for Collegiate that uh, includes all of the Blizzard games. We play Collegiate League of Legends, which is uh, sponsored by Riot. We play games um, with uh, uh, Collegiate Star League, and there's also a high school Star League, and uh, AVGL, which is the American Video Game League. Um, and they uh, they also, those last two organizations, Star League and, and uh, AVGL, have high school organizations. If you just search high school okay. esports, you'll find two pages. You're gonna you'll get, get it all. Um, yes. So I won't Google it for you. But what I'll say <laughs> is that we use those organizations, but we also schedule our own what we call, air quotes, regular season games. Um, this year, our League of Legends team played and defeated Notre Dame. Uh, BYU, awesome. Florida State, um, and the list goes on because we contacted them and said, "Hey, let's play." Let's play, and we'll broadcast yes. it. And they're like, "Okay, yeah, let's do it." Um, you can call that a show match. You can call that a broadcast scrim. We call it regular season game, and we put it in our ledger we, as as who we played. And uh, and we, you know, we have fans that come into our arena and watch it, and we broadcast it, of nice. course. But um, that's I mean, we're we're uh, we're at an escalated level of what it what it means on our campus, but uh, those are real games, and and we didn't need anybody's permission to do them. They, we didn't need an organizing body to create those types of games. We chose the game. We found the people at those schools who played them, which can be a little, it can be challenging sometimes. Although you get better at it the more you try to find those folks, but I guarantee the students know how to find them. Uh, well, absolutely. They'll, they'll reach yes. out on the Discord. They'll reach out in the in the game client. <laughs> exactly. I actually created a uh, uh, an account, a Blizzard account, um, and just called it Boise State U, so that I could uh, friend invite people that I knew played for another school, um, so that I could start the conversation. They're like, oh, and say, hey, yeah, yes. exactly. 
Let's yeah. do this. Yes, let's set up a match. Yeah, let's so do I just this. created a, a generic, which anybody could do. You could, you know, you could create one called Fernley HS or whatever, right? You you pick you insert your school name, and then you can reach out to people and and ping them and invite them to be your friends. Once you realize they they play for another school, so. Um, that, that was how we, we created it. So I, first piece of advice is you don't need someone to structure it for you. You can structure it. Um, as far as how often to meet, again, you know, high school, middle school, up, up it's to up you. to you. Is it once a week? Is it is it just in the spring after this or that ends? Sure, right? Is it is it every other Saturday? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, we, we practice like a college team does in other sports because we're a varsity college program that offers uh, scholarships and um, is trying to attract students. And w again, we're trying to fit into the athletic model on our campus, even though we're not connected to athletics, um, mostly so that people will understand and appreciate uh, that what we do is e exactly like what they do. Uh, our field is digital. That's the primary difference. So, Dr. Haskell, if we have uh, educators, listeners right now that want to connect with you to want to learn more about this or game-based learning or anything else that you that uh, you're just an awesome resource to be able to talk to, how can they get a hold of you? You know what? Uh, Twitter has proven to be the best resource for me, and at Haskell is my is my tweet you're like wait a minute he got his last name yes <laughs> i'm so old got i it. got my last name because <laughs> i was there on the first day of twitter when it was still just in the mail i don't know a lot of people don't know this twitter twitter used to you have to put a stamp on your tweets and you would send them <laughs> It's the old days. <laughs> it was the it was the golden days of yeah, twitter yeah and my wife would just see me uh, standing out there by the uh uh, mailbox saying, honey, get off Twitter. So. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have you back again. Live your dreams, people. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Mike Washburn. My co-host is Glenn Irvin. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Glenn is at Irv Spanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we'd love if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost and this helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor Schoology for supporting us. Check out Schoology.com to learn how they can help you advance what's possible. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome, and we'll see you soon.